Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you are listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Before we jump into this week's interview, I want to share the final total of the gifts that we received during our year-end matching gift campaign. The grand total came to $384,917. Wow, I am amazed and overcome with gratitude for faithful friends and partners like you who support CMDA each year. Well, because of supporters like you, we are able to continue working to advance the cause of healthcare missions, to support international healthcare, and to serve healthcare missionaries in their work for our Lord Jesus Christ. We love missions here at CMDA. In fact, healthcare missions is woven intimately into our DNA as a ministry as our members over the decades, from students to residents and fellows to graduates, have realized the power of the tool of healthcare to make a way for healing broken hearts through the gospel. If you have a heart for healthcare missions, then this interview is for you, friend. I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Trish Burgess, who is the director of CMDA's Global Health Outreach Ministry, which sends short-term mission teams around the world. She's got some great stories to tell us about how she's seen God show up in unmistakable ways on the mission field, which she has called God Sightings. So let's get started. Well, this week on CMDU Matters, uh, we have uh, what I would call an in-house guest, an interview with Dr. Trish Burgess, uh, who's been uh, at CMDA for the last four years. Trish joined CMDA as our Director of Global Health Outreach in 2018. Just a bit of background on Trish. Uh, She went to the University of Georgia for her undergraduate degree. She took two years off before attending medical school and quite interesting, interesting gap couple of years. She worked as a firefighter in Athens, Georgia during that time. She attended the Medical College of Georgia and did her residency in emergency medicine at the University of Missouri in Kansas City. With our global health outreach, which we'll continue to refer to lovingly as GHO during the interview, she's traveled to Cambodia, El Salvador, Ethiopia, India, Kenya, a place I love, Moldova, and Peru. She has seen each trip as a blessing in her life, and she sees Jesus in the very people she comes to help. And I actually, I think that's a nice basis, Trish, for our interview this morning, that you've seen Christ in the people that you have seen over the years. So welcome to CMDA Matters. Thank you. I'm excited for this interview. So when did you actually have your first opportunity as a participant to go on a GHO trip? Oh, I think I went about 14 years ago, and I had never done a mission in my life. So it was my first one ever. I was waiting for the Lord to tell me when I could go, where I should go, and my children were still younger. My youngest was nine. uh, Before the Lord said, okay, now you can go. Before that, my mission field was really my home. So I had to wait a while, but I also had to prepare. I had to learn a lot of things. And so I used that time wisely and helped teach children, which is a great way to learn scripture. We taught Awana 
you know, and you have scripture memorization then. Um, So I was more prepared then. I felt like I could go with my children being older. And then I was waiting for the Lord to show me where. And he, I would pull up the trip calendar and he wouldn't show me anything. And so I'd, I'd, you know, walk away for a while. And a couple months later, I pulled it up again, determined to sign up for something. And I printed out the application because back then you actually wrote it with a pen. (laughs) And (laughs) the good um, old days. And I still couldn't tell where he was telling me to go and finally I just picked one that worked with our family schedule my kids were back in school so it would be easier on my husband and I think he was just waiting for me to take that first step like he told Abraham to go where I will tell you but he didn't say what right first where to go so I think he was waiting on that and so when I took that first step and went he blessed that so much um, and really spoke to me and that was my calling that he told me very early in the trip this is your ministry where was that Trish it was Nicaragua Nicaragua and um, I was just so clear that this is your ministry and I thought he meant you know I'll be doing a lot of these or I'll be a team leader one day um, and I'm glad I didn't know <laughs> back then, yeah. you know, what he meant by that. But it, it really has been, ever since then, a passion of mine. I tithe my time. I would do three weeks a year because I worked three-quarter time. I wasn't full-time. So it was about 10% of my time was three weeks a year. So I did a two-week and a one-week trip with GHO ever since then. So 10 years, it sounds like. You did teams uh, either as a participant and then eventually became a team leader. Before on your radar came this invitation from CMDA to come on board. And I remember back in 2018 when we first met, you shared with me that the career span, the lifespan of an emergency medicine doc is generally about where you parted ways. Right. Actually, a little shorter than that. I think our group had done some things to improve our longevity some because I actually worked the ER for 23 years, which is a long time. So I get asked this all the time. Do you miss it? Do you miss emergency medicine? You know what I missed the most was the people I worked with, mm-hmm. not emergency medicine care. I really, I think I was probably more ready to leave than I realized. But it was because you're such a tight-knit family in emergency medicine because it's a lot of trauma and a lot you're dealing with the sadness and darkness of life. So you really do become family. So that was hard to leave them. But once you leave, you also kind of see, oh, there's a world out there with all, all this death and dreariness and, you know, horrible accidents and things like that that you deal with every day. And COVID. And COVID. I did feel guilty about that, though. Mm. I don't know if you did, but when COVID was hitting and they were talking about how busy everyone was, I mm. felt like, gosh, I should be there helping. But I wasn't. So COVID, uh, going to bring us a little bit, maybe uh, focus us on our topic this morning, which is a book. Maybe that's something else earlier in your career you never <laughs> thought you were going to do, was be a part of putting a book together. This book is God Sightings in Healthcare Missions Around the World. Uh, pretty cool that after all these years of global health outreach ministry, that even though it came partially because of some downtime, I think, right, this Mm -hmm, book? mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually, I think, just completely spirit-inspired. But I remember walking through the lobby, and I don't remember exactly where we were in COVID, if it had even quite hit yet or was just very early and we didn't realize how bad it was going to be. But I was just walking through the lobby and thought, I ought to write a book about all our missions. And so it was really just spirit-inspired. I kind of pondered that that evening and was thinking about it. And then the next morning, I came into work here, and a friend of mine from the mission field called me and said, you ought to write a book. Oh, wow. So it was just like, oh, my gosh, I need to write a book. Did the fact that GHO kind of wound down uh, because of the COVID pandemic and not able to send teams, did that contribute to your ability to have some time? 
It did. In fact, um, you know, early on in the shutdown, we were almost taking a deep sigh of relief because we were operating under so much pressure and getting the next team and getting the next team out that we had a lot of things we needed to catch up on. So I did some writing before that here, and I wrote um, a team leader manual, which we have not had before for our team leaders. I rewrote our participant manual and just sort of updated and refreshed everything. So I was in sort of that writing mode already. Maybe that's why I thought of it, but it did give me time. And the thing about writing it, and, you know, it wasn't all my writing, it was asking people for stories. So we had trip participants, team leaders, even national partners sent me stories of God sightings. But it was a way, because we were so, um, this was probably like several months in by now, and we were discouraged and getting disheartened because it was dragging on and dragging on. And I think the lowest moment for GHO was when we, the vaccine was out and we were all hopeful that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, we're going to get going. We had a team in March that was um, set to launch, and it was a good, solid team. And when the new administration came in, they they instituted a a two-week mandatory quarantine Mm -hmm. on return to the U.S., which just basically shut us down. We had to cancel that team because they couldn't take three weeks off for a one-week mission. And so in that lowest point, though, I was continuing to work on this book. And um, so I'd picked one morning every week to work on it. And I do three or four stories at a time. But it was so encouraging to me mm-hmm. that um, in this in this really dark time for GHO, when we were all just really getting depressed about it all and wondering if we're ever going to get out there again, and these stories would just inspire and encourage me to hang on there and just keep waiting that God knows. <laughs> and we all just kept saying, we know God's not through with us yet. So if our listeners don't take away anything from this interview, except that during really tough, dark times when it just, where is God, is to remember. Remember what he has done in our past. And so what is a God sighting? Let's just get to the basic question. (laughs) So a God sighting is something we focus on every evening on our mission trips. So we do morning and evening devotions, and they're testimonies and combination devotions, and different team members will do them. So it's nice just to share where the Lord's at work, and I really encourage our team participants to try sharing some testimony, because a lot of them have never done that. But in the evening meeting, we set aside a time before we do any of that to just say, what are your God sightings for the day? And it's just where people have seen God at work, and it's not necessarily with a patient or a particular patient encounter, although it often is, when you make a really good, solid connection or someone you you share the gospel with and they accept Christ and you can tell they really get it, and just being able to see that transformation of someone before Christ and as soon as the Holy Spirit's in them is just so exciting. But it's even stuff like small things, like where the team member has seen another team member helping them, or you know, just little things. And for me, a lot of times it's in the very patience. Like you said in the bio, I just see Jesus in them. It's a very biblical concept that we would search for the Lord, that we would actually look out. And the fact that you do that in the evenings, what an encouragement to those maybe who've never done this before, who now, wow, that was really awesome. I'm going to start looking for those sorts of things for God to intervene in my day. And that practice, I think one of the things, I'm sure you'll agree, that the participants take back to their homes and to their practices or whatever life is that they start looking back here in the U.S. for those kinds of things, right? Absolutely. I think it's good for you to—we should do that every day, and I know we all don't every day because we get busy. But just to take note of how God provides for you at times, and it's in little small things. It just blesses you, and then that joy is in you, and people can see it, and that attracts people to Jesus. 
So let's let's jump into it. Do you have a favorite God sighting? I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a couple. Maybe we have time for you to tell a couple of stories about God sightings, not either that you've had and or that others who've contributed to the book have had on GHO trips. Well, uh, one of them, uh, one, I guess one of them, I have two. I wrote, I think, three stories, but two of them involve my daughter. So I took my whole family on a trip. The second trip I ever did was with my husband and three kids. But then each child I took one-on-one with me to Kenya before they started college. And so Marissa went with me to Kenya. And actually my friend, who the one, same one who called me and told me I needed to write a book, she wrote in this God sighting. And it, she was working at Triage. She's a nurse. And, you know, we pulled into clinic in Kisi, Western Kenya, and there were 500 people already ticketed and waiting for us. And we were a small team of 15. But Marissa was out front at triage and helping get some vital signs ahead of the triage nurse to speed that up. And Tamara was out there, and she's the one that sort of controls the flow of the clinic and tries to get things rolling really quickly. Anyway, she was dealing with the patient, and they heard a scream out back. And she's like, boy, I don't know what that was. And Marissa, my daughter, said, oh, I'll go check. So she went out back to check, and it was a woman trying to get to the clinic to have a baby. And she didn't make it. So she had her baby right there in the lawn (laughs) in back of the clinic. And it was her fifth, which is probably why she didn't quite make it. Um, But Marissa loves babies, was so excited and just helped wrap that baby up in a piece of cloth and was just raving about how beautiful her baby was and was just so excited for the mother. And if you can imagine in Africa, having your fifth child isn't necessarily joy-filled. It's another mouth distress and worry about having to feed. So I think the mother so appreciated how excited Marissa was that she named the baby Marissa. She looked at her name badge and named it the same way, which is just with one S, which has always annoyed Marissa that I didn't put two S's on her name. But um, so there's a Kenyan baby Marissa out there. And I thought that was such a sweet story. But I didn't think about the fact that and Tamara wrote in that Marissa is now a nurse, and she ended up working in labor and delivery. So God showed her a career path as a pre-college young woman, he gave her her life's calling on that mission trip. And I was like, that is an amazing God sighting that I didn't even see it myself, but my nurse friend did. So I was so blessed by that. And I can share another quick one that just happened. And they're not all that complex. We don't have a lot of babies around the world named after (laughs) team members. But this one just happened when I was in Turkey. And um, it's very small, but I just thought that's the Holy Spirit at work. So I saw this Muslim woman. She was from Syria. And um, I saw her in the clinic with her two young children. And I cared for all of them. And usually I take care of them, talk about what prescriptions they're going to get. And then I ask about their faith and if we could share about Jesus, which she was not interested in. A lot of them are afraid. I think a lot of them see that Islam is not a good religion, but they're afraid Mm -hmm. um, because it can be life changing for them. So she didn't want to hear about it. And then I asked if I could pray for her. And she said, no, thank you. And I was like, "Okay, well, here are your prescriptions. Have a great day. Pharmacy's over here. And she went over to pharmacy and it was like less than a minute. And she came back and said, I want prayer. Mm. So just that little niche of the Holy Spirit nudging her. Are you sure you don't want prayer? I mean, she's offering to pray for you. So she came back and we prayed for her. And it was that small, but I thought that's the Holy Spirit at work on these trips. Trish, tell us about a few future teams that are coming maybe the summer or the fall, just so our listeners can can hear some of the locations in which GHO teams will be serving. 
We have a few teams that still need help, need participants this fall. Our summer teams are looking pretty solid, but starting in July, we could um, and end of, end of July and into August. Um, but we still have Nicaragua, El Salvador trips that are going. We have several refugee care trips. Um, we have uh, one in particular, Jordan, in October that needs help. And the refugee care trips to me are, are amazing. They're just neat to, it's a, it's a challenge to witness to them. And I like that. I like bringing the gospel where it's really needed. So there are some fall ones and winter ones that need some help. We do have some Nicaragua teams that still need help in the fall as well. You've had historically some interest. In fact, you've served on our Commission Against Human Trafficking. You've also got some sites, I think it was yesterday, you were describing to me some locations uh, where you have national partners who are working long term in terms of fighting human trafficking. Can you tell us just a little bit about those ministries? Right. We actually have one that's leaving in three weeks to Guatemala City, and they have a ministry center. It's in La Linea, which is the red light district, but the organization is Tomorrow's Hope. So we're going to be doing a small human trafficking clinic there. They're in the middle of building a new ministry center. So it's halfway done. So we're bringing a small team this year. Hopefully we'll be able to expand that next year. And then in September, I'm leading a trip to Bolivia, which is also a human trafficking trip. And the ministry is a word made flesh. Bolivia, and it's called House of Hope Bolivia. I need dentists for that still, but otherwise that team is full as well. And that's, again, right in the red light district in El Alto in Bolivia. And they've been there for 25 years now. And they didn't come back until like a year or year and a half ago because COVID, and it was shutting down the schools there. So they needed to come back for their kids' education. But they're going back, obviously, now. Getting back to God's sightings in your book, what is your hope for this book that you've, this your labor of love and capturing so many stories. What do you hope this book uh, will accomplish that God can do with it? What I'm really hoping is that people will see they don't need any special gift or talent to serve God. And that I'm hoping it will inspire and encourage others to step out in faith. It will help strengthen your faith and grow your faith to do that step out and serve. I would love to see you on a GHO mission trip, but even if it's not that, no matter who you are, God can use you. And I just want people to see that it's just ordinary people who have a little bit of courage to say yes and serve God. And it's amazing to watch how he will work, not just through you to help the people you're there for, but in you and change you. I think over the years as has served as a missionary, uh, ironically, getting uh, what is it about cross-cultural ministry and just being stretched beyond and not having all the resources at your disposal like we have here in the U.S. and having anything at your fingertips, you know, you snap your fingers. But paradoxically, I think over time I have seen that when you get used to God doing miraculous things, unfortunately it can become even ho-hum. I remember um, doing rounds in orthopedic once at Tenwick and having some some visiting residents. Uh, they were nationals uh, from another hospital and walking around and we were talking about how it seemed like God had done something really miraculous <laughs> to heal a bone that we just thought never was going to heal. And I remember one of the residents saying to me, well, Dr. Chep, we see that all the time at our hospital. And, you know, it's just it's just an everyday occurrence. And I kind of waited for him to acknowledge that it was pretty cool, but it was just sort of perfunctory. And I I think that after a while, I mean, even the children of Israel, I mean, God kept doing all these incredible things for them, but there was just sort of, oh, manna, you know, whatever. It's just, it's kind of gotten boring. So I do think I have been challenged to think about how that we should not take God for granted mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. he does things in our lives, no matter how often he does or doesn't do that. 
Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think, well, just even our faith and, and the awe of what he's done for us, we tend to forget in the busyness of life. Um, and I do think that we need to remind ourselves of that. I mean, but I remember having God sightings in the emergency room. And every now and then I would say that because you just can't help but see. I remember one time in particular we were running a code and uh, codes are different when they come in by an ambulance already coding versus they die right in front of you and you're scrambling to get things done. And that's what happened. I had a chest pain come in and we hadn't even moved him off the ambulance stretcher onto the stretcher when he went into V-fib or died right in front of us. So we moved him over. The nurses were trying to get an IV. I had shocked him three times and that hadn't done anything. So I was getting ready to intubate him. The nurse was still working on the IV and he just went, (gasps) and he breathed. And I was like, we did not do that. <laughs> we did not do that. That was right. nothing we did. We hadn't given him any medicine yet. We hadn't shocked him again. I mean, it was like, that was God. And I remember one time I had a patient who was really sick and I was by myself. There's one hour in the 24-hour day in our ER where you don't have double docs. So if you have need help or you're trying to just work through something, think through it. You know, you can bounce it off. So I was in that one hour and this guy came in really short of breath and his x-ray was just sort of vague, high, hazy on one side, but nothing specific. And he'd been up smoking cocaine all night. So I thought maybe he had a pneumothorax or popped a lung. So they, I was surprised when the x-ray didn't show that. And he was breathing so hard, I was like, I'm going to have to intubate him. And usually in the ER, once you intubate them, everything slows down and calms down. But it didn't because we couldn't bag him fast enough to get his oxygen saturations up. And I re-x-rayed him laying flat and it was still this vague haziness. I was like, I'm going to have to just put a chest tube in. I don't know what this is. So I made the initial incision and, and poked to get the chest tube in and just blood tinged water flooded, flooded out just all over the floor. And I was like, that's what Jesus did. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, when GHO has outreaches in human trafficking and brothels and so forth, I mean, there's no question you're dealing with the least of these. On, on some of your other trips, I'm sure there's could be some challenges in making sure that you actually include the least of these because it's the American doctors and nurses and dent, you know physicians and dentists. So how do you make sure that you and the national partners get to the least of these? That's, I think, the number one thing I love about GHO so much is that we're very organized, but we're also very strategic. So we use our national partners for that reason. We want to go in the poorest areas where they have little to no access to health care. The bigger cities, they tend to have more access. So to me, the harder it is to get there, the farther you have to go, the more excited I am to share the gospel because it's less likely to be out there. So we do have those opportunities to take care of the least of these every day we work a clinic for that reason. And I have a moment, it's a God sighting that I wrote that's in this book. So I'll let people read about it. But I talk about feeling like I was holding Jesus himself in my lap, Mm. caring for one of the least of these. Mm. And it was my very first trip and my very first day at the end of the day that that happened. And God let me see him through that little girl. And so I've never forgotten it. And that's why I've always had this driving passion to keep going, because I want to reach out to the least of these and the lost. So I want the least, the last, and the lost is who we're searching for and who we care for. And I had a moment too, it was my third 
trip, and it was to Mumbai, India, and it was a human trafficking trip. And that was my favorite one that I've done because we set up a tent in the street in the middle of the red light district of Mumbai. The first day, we just took care of the prostitutes, but after that, we opened up the clinic to anyone who came. So the pimps, the madams, the customers, we were taking care of all of them. And God prepared me for that. When I read that we wouldn't just be taking care of the prostitutes, but everyone, I sat back and I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. And God said, I love him too. And so my heart has been able to do that and not struggle with that at all. And then I did have one time on that trip where they wanted me, I had seen this woman in clinic and the ministry we were working with, which was Bombay Teen Challenge, they had been in their ministering to this woman, but they wanted me to go in the brothel and and share the gospel. So I took my Evangel Cube and we went into a brothel and there was a prostitute in there by herself. And we sat on the bed because there's nowhere else to sit in there. And I was sharing the gospel with her, but I just started shaking because I so badly wanted her to accept Christ and have that in her life. But I also kept thinking to myself while I'm sharing with her, who am I to be able to get to do something like this with this person? I am no better than she is. So it just made me really connect with the least of these we've all been before Christ, the least of these in his eyes, and then we needed him. So it just, that's my heart is to serve the least of these, and we'll keep going, keep stretching, keep trying as long as we can. Well, thank you for that encouragement. That's really inspiring, Trish. Where can uh, folks, if they're interested, go uh, to find out about future trips? cmda.org slash gho, and there uh, is a link to our trip calendar that they can click on there. Okay, great. Thanks for joining me today, Trish. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Mike. That conversation with Trish and the time that I spent back in June serving in Kenya, back at Timwick Hospital, has reminded me of how much we see God at work when we serve cross-culturally, often out of our comfort zones. Trish sent me a picture the other day since our conversation together that you just heard, a picture of Trish and other members on a GHO team with their hands on a woman whose face had been blurred out for confidentiality purposes. And this woman, Trish tells me, had been a prostitute that had been reached for the gospel by one of our past teams and who had decided herself since she met Christ to become a nurse's aide, a nurse's tech, and was now working with commercial sex workers there in the country where that team was serving and uh, was representing Jesus. It was a great story of transformation. Well, this new book from Trish, which is a compilation of experiences from our team leaders, trip participants, and even some of our national partners, it's a heartwarming collection of stories of the best God sightings from GHO trips around the world. You can purchase your copy in the CMDA bookstore by going to cmda.org bookstore. I know that you'll be encouraged and your faith bolstered as you read her work. I also hope that our interview today inspires you to say yes when God calls you and asks you to serve him wherever and whenever he opens the door for you to go. In fact, maybe our Lord is calling you to serve on an upcoming global health outreach trip. GHO tells me that they have needs for healthcare professionals on missions to Nicaragua from September 3rd through the 11th. 
as well as several teams in October, including Ecuador and Nicaragua for general medical and dental clinics. And there's a trip to Jordan focused on refugee care, as well as the Dominican Republic for a special prison outreach. Through these trips, we disciple participants, grow national churches, share the gospel, and provide care to the poor and needy. As you heard Trish describing, our teams minister in outpatient primary care medicine and dentistry, and in small and large hospitals to provide surgical services. Some of those trips specifically focus on working with national partners to help treat victims of human trafficking or to help refugees and many more opportunities. So if you are a healthcare professional or student, an undergraduate student, or just interested in using the skills and resources the Lord has entrusted to you, you can visit cmda.org gho to learn more and find a trip that works in your particular schedule. Well, you briefly heard that Dr. Trish mentioned the trips that help treat victims of human trafficking, as well as her involvement in fighting the fight to stop human trafficking. As healthcare professionals, and especially as Christians who are called to care for the most vulnerable among us, we play a critical role in identifying trafficking victims in our local communities and when we serve the least of these abroad. If you're being called to step into this particular arena and proactively start learning to see the signs and know when victims of human trafficking are face-to-face -face with us in our exam rooms and in our hospitals, then I've got a great resource for you today. In the CMDA Learning Center, you will find a 12-module series developed by CMDA's Commission on Human Trafficking. This course gives you an introduction to human trafficking here in the U.S. It explains how you can identify signs that patients are being trafficked. It will help you discern how to both help and treat these patients and much, much more. If you haven't taken the time to go through these modules yet, will you commit to doing so in the next month? It will be an incredibly valuable asset to you, and it's a wonderful step to proactively learn more. CMDA members can access this course at no cost, though there is a fee for non-members. You can find this course and many more in the CMDA Learning Center by going to cmda.org learning. The 12-module course that I'm referring to was created by CMDA's Commission on Human Trafficking. This commission exists to equip, support, motivate, send, and transform our CMDA members in your role to abolish human trafficking within the U.S. and abroad. You can visit cmda.org slash human trafficking to learn more about this commission, and you'll find more resources available on their webpage. If you have a heart for missions, like I do, and you want to learn how to live missionally in your life in the United States or around the globe, then I strongly encourage you to register now for the Global Missions Health Conference. You'll see Trish there representing GHO, along with a group of CMDA staff and members, and they can introduce you to a variety of ways that you can use your skills to serve others. This year's event is scheduled for November 10th through the 12th at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Summer pricing ends on August 31st, so please don't wait to register. Visit cmda.org events if you'd like more information. I want to encourage you to join me next week for an interview with two very familiar servant leaders within the CMDA ministry realm. I have the opportunity to chat with Michael McLaughlin and Alan Harmer, two CMDA regional directors who've had more than 70 years of service between them. As always, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email that suggestion to us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like our podcast, be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. As I close, I want to share a brief testimony that Trish included in her new book, God Sightings. This testimony comes from a pharmacist who served on a trip to the Dominican Republic. He shares in the book, we offered what limited physical help we could, but we also offered love, shared the good news, and we prayed. After the trip ended, I arrived home a changed person. The God sightings from that day confirmed my calling to serve in this capacity. Is God calling you to come out of your comfort zone and be on mission like this pharmacist? Is he calling you to serve the least of these in his name? If he is, are you ready to be changed? As you listen for God's call, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit will show you how you can join the Lord in bringing the hope and healing of Christ to our world through healthcare. That is the vision that matters to CMDA and CMDA Matters. We'll see you next week if the Father gives us more time to be about the work of His kingdom. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.